Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Lethal Podcast. Uh, In this week's episode, myself, Garrett, and Rob sit down to talk about the possible pitfalls of 3D archery competition and how it may be hurting bow hunting. We cover a lot of ground in this one, going from uh, using 3D as a way to track your progress as a shooter, using 3D for kill shots, not worrying about score necessarily, and even how 3D is teaching a lot about not so great shot placement among a lot of other things we we cover a lot but it's a really fun episode uh so i hope you guys enjoy this one uh so the announcement that we kind of teased last week um at this point it's been up for a couple weeks now but i think we are ready to announce that our website is basically ready for public use and you can uh uh, view it and go check that out at lethalpodcast.com uh we've got a lot of stuff on there it's been a labor of love and when I say a lot, I mean a lot. There's a lot of stuff there. So if you have any questions, comments, critiques, like if a link's broken or something like that, please reach out to us either on social media or email or text. I don't know. Fig- figure something out. Get a hold of us, and we will we will fix it as quickly as possible. So uh, really excited to be able to release that to everybody. Um, as always, thank you to our sponsor, Tricome. Uh, it's December now. Uh, and it's cold, so whether you're hunting or not, uh, it doesn't make any difference. You need to take care of your skin, and nobody does that better than Tricomb. So go uh, to their website, and they've got all sorts of stuff there from their famous lip balm that, if you aren't using it by now, I don't know if I want to be friends with you anymore. And they've got stuff like soap and body oil and beard oil. I know we've got a lot of hunters on here who grow beards. I can't grow a beard. I wish I could use their beard oil, but I can't. But you should go uh, check that stuff out. Uh, So go to tricomeco.com and use code LETHAL10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's T-R-I-C-O-M-B-E-C-O.com. Enjoy the episode. Disney (laughs) trucks and... Why doesn't Glock Which... make a damn ten millimeter in the regular size frame? Oh, with the, probably because the regular size frame probably probably uh split from it, I would guess. They need uh they need the big boy frames. No, I mean uh, uh just full size frame, but oh yeah. regular like size the Glock twenty? Yeah, Glock twenty with the cut in it already. Why don't you oh, make this block? Oh, dude, you don't you don't want the the cut in it already. You need to have the slide milled for it. Why? Uh, because the ones the MOS versions, they well, first off, the two like you need to read the Sage Dynamics white papers on it because Aaron <laughs> Aaron Cowan Aaron, Aaron Cowan does a lot better job explaining it than than I do. But the the adapters are not reliable. Uh, at, at they will lose these they will lose zero all the time oh. and the the ones that you that ship with it the threads are too long so it pushes the adapter up and then your mm-hmm. uh your site is never set correctly like from the very beginning oh. uh so well, yeah dude but you can send uh find a glock 20 do you have a 20 already no okay we'll find a used one and then send it to like boogeyman customs or something like that it's like a hundred it's 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 the same price really it's maybe 20 to 50 bucks more to just have your slide milled for whatever red dot you're going to put on the top so you just send it to boogeyman customs and because it's not a or whoever and because it's not a uh serialized or i mean it's not a 
it's not the serialized part of the weapon. You can send it. You don't need an FFL. Send send the slide, send the uh, optic that you're going to have milled to it, and they will literally like take yours, put a put a micro on it, and then like mill it to your slide, like to that particular optic. Huh. Uh, so I would get one that has an RMR footprint, whether that's a hollow sun or uh, something else. Uh, mm. but the RMR footprint is kind of like the Remington 700 footprint of, uh, of sites. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of ones that use the same footprint and you can interchange stuff if you really need to. So right. anyway, that's what you need to do. We can okay. have another discussion on that. <laughs> so now that we've hit everything besides archery, um, <laughs> and <laughs> golly, uh, let's, let's talk archery for a second. So we just had, we just wrapped up a really good episode, uh, with, Mr. G dubs, Garrett Weaver, appreciate him coming on, hanging out with us. Uh, he had to go be an adult. So we're going to let him do that while we talk about 3d for a while and kind of what we touched on, uh, at the very end there about how, um, even, even with a recurve, I'm kind of like, I'm leaning more towards like, why don't I shoot my recurve? Like a, like a 3d setup, like a longer bow, uh, with, uh, you know, a a decent size stabilizer. I, yes. God forbid. I'm going to put a stabilizer on my recurve. So I can't wait. Oh dude. I, I literally can't <laughs> like, I'm going to, I'm going to put this quivalizer on it and I am going to infuriate the trad purists and it's going to be, it's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be awesome. You should dude, just, it's gonna... just do what uh, Jake did today. Talking about putting a clicker back on his bow and be like, I'm not a trad. I'm not a trad archer. I am a bow hunter. Who who said this? Jake. Uh, Jake. Fuck. The guy I bought my broadheads from. I'm. Oh. Spacing oh. On uh, his last name. Yeah, I am too. Damn it. Downs. Um. Yeah, Jake Downs. Yeah. 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 Hi, Jake. Were people? Were people? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Jake. Uh, <laughs> we we are friends with you. I promise. Kind of. <laughs> uh, um. Are were people really? Do- I so I saw him post to like all of his. Uh, all of his uh, uh, camo uh, yeah. that he was, he was like, I'm getting rid of all this stuff. Did, and I saw him post something about, uh, yeah, dude, he's getting rid of like all of his camo. I don't know. I don't know what's happening there, but uh, when, when, I go. yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, but uh, did, so he posted something about putting a clicker back on. People were really like losing their shit over that. Uh, I'm assuming so. I don't know. Oh, man, that's too bad. Uh, man, you can't like Jake is such a nice guy. Like literally, like one of the nicest people oh, I've yeah, ever talked super to. Nice dude. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so I'm I'm going to uh technology all of the things with my recurve, <laughs> uh, and with my compound. I'm just gonna like minus buying like a super long compound, uh, you know, like a true traditional or a true traditional. Good Lord, it's already I'm I'm already tired. A true target setup, um, true target bow. I'm going to set it up as close to like a target setup as I can for my hunting rig. And I'm just going to hunt with that because they're more accurate. So um, I had we the, wanted to I mean, I put a back bar on my bow right before the season, actually, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it was a game changer. Like it made a huge difference. Did you have to do it at an angle? Uh, I had, well, I didn't have to, but I did. I had a, I have, I just have a 10 degree, um, yeah, 10 degree offset 
gotcha. quick detach. But I just did so, that one because that's I had it. But I actually just put a different or I put it back on, but I left my QD on the E35 and I just put it straight this time. So, yeah. So are you on you, you run the equalizer on your hunting rig, right? Yeah. OK, me too. So, yeah, I don't know, Rob, I might, I might do what you said and just run it open and just I, I mean, I'm going to get absolutely mauled, but I think you'd uh, be surprised. Yeah, think it, so. It, it's, it depends. Well, it really depends on how good the guys in your area are. Yeah, but I mean, no, not throwing shade at the guys that I shot with at Northwest Mountain Challenge. But I mean, I shot well enough that I was, you know, middle of the pack and they were all shooting open bows except for me, Dave and one other guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was shooting my hunting bow. I mean, and, and you had, had to shoot open. I had to shoot open. I was going to say, so that was the whole reason is because you had the equalizer on there. Yeah. So when you do that, do you just take the hood off or do you like leave the hood on there with arrows in it to be like as close to your hunting setup as possible? Uh, I have the aluminum hood, so mm. I can take the screw out of the end and then just screw weight to the end of it. So, oh, it, gotcha. I mean, simulates the same weight. It's just I don't have the arrows hanging off. Right, right. It's more of a I mean, that's just so it's not annoying and I'm not sure. Yeah. Can you, well, that's, I mean, it's kind of, and we're going to, I'm going to make a YouTube video about it, but yeah, when I've got, how, how much does one weight weigh, I guess, an, an ounce? ounce? Yeah. It okay. Depends. I mean, some are so, one, some are half. I, I have some. Yeah, I three. actually, um, I didn't use actual stabilizer weights. Um, I actually just, on there? yeah, I took a, I sandwiched metal washers between two rubber washers and then just screwed it down mm-hmm. hmm. but, well i'm wondering how much tip weight i would than... have to replace because if i'm shooting eight arrows most of them have 300 ish grains on the front three to 350 eight arrows uh yeah i would say Jeez, that's a heavy i would cover. focus <laughs> i would focus more on the setup that allows you to shoot best for target not mirrors your hunting setup exactly because a lot of that stuff while you're hunting isn't like you're you're not going to notice it as much if that makes sense yeah i guess that makes sense but kind of my whole my whole goal is to shoot 3d like at like as close to as close as possible to my hunting setup then then run your full-blown hunting setup i mean that's what i normally yeah i mean that's whatever my hunting setup is is how my bow set up and that's what i run so if it's at a more organized event, like right now, I'm running. It's not the equalizer, but I'm running um, that bracket that I picked up with my tight mm-hmm, spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I stick with that, which right now I'm I'm liking it, um, then I'll be running open, and that's I mean, yeah, with where. I, I always have dovetail sights and a lot of times with where I like my scope to be for peep alignment, uh, for sizing purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of time that, that puts me borderline into, uh, open class. Um, hmm. they'll so base it on how long your dovetail is where your scope is. 
So some, and this can depend on the different organizations. Some like we have a lot of club shoots here. So a lot of times the clubs aren't affiliated. Like they're, they're not running like true, um, like, uh, you know, the same class rules. Right. Um, so they'll have, it's like house rules. (laughs) Um, so that's, I've been at a couple of shoots where, I mean, the hunter class is a is fixed pins only. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, and that was so, kind I mean, of my my a, initial worry single was pin. That. <laughs> so it's movable. Right. Like so, I mean, at that point, I'm automatically in the next class anyway. But yeah. honestly, I prefer like a lot of our hunters courses because uh, it's different stakes. Um are 20 to you know like i guess like 25 and under shots and really like practicing further than my normal hunting range they're 25 Um, and under for your hunter range not all of them but i I would say that the majority of the shots are that then you'll have you might have one or two that are past 30 out of like 25 targets wow that's Um, crazy but a lot of that is because they need to differentiate it between the classes. Yeah, so I guess if so. your that open class is shooting a lot of thirty to forty yards, and that's the the distance that they have for the the shot locations, then if the you know if open's shooting forty, then hunters probably gonna be shooting thirty to thirty two hmm. on like some of the longer shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, all of our courses are in the woods, so it's as much as they've trimmed, they can, (laughs) you know, get. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, for man, well, that 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 gives me a little bit of like hope then, I guess, because I I was thinking that if I shot open, like every shot would be like well over 40 yards. It it depends. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. It depends. I mean, a lot of the open courses, at least around here, are mostly over 30. Um, right. And you might have some 50 yards, you know, but it it really depends on the course. Because, I mean, there's some courses that I go to that the longest shot that they have is 40. Hmm. Um, okay. Well. So, I mean, it it depends on the layout. Yeah, but well, and I'd like to get both of your guys' input on this, too. Garrett may not be as applicable because I don't know how big Western uh, how big traditional classes are out on Western shoots. But so I'm going to try. Well, and and I'm talking purely compound here, too. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, but if, I'm if, my if, goal, if you want to talk trad classes like trads, not huge here. So if you, if there is a trad category. Right. It's probably going to be sub 20. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I know a- <laughs> like, ASA is like a max of 25, I think. Uh, I think uh, or yeah. at least it's listed on their website is something like that. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to try and split my 3D time this year, like almost yeah, as okay. close to 50 that, as I can get. Yeah, I'm going to try and split 50 50 as close as I can get. However, if there are like certain shoots that allow it, uh, I, I would almost like to shoot both if it's possible, 
uh, but I don't know if uh, most if electric is at the pay twice. Yeah, and and that's fine. I don't mind paying you know forty bucks versus twenty. I'm not I'm not terrible. Yeah. I'm not worried about that. At least most of the but ones it, that I've done will let you because I, I I do that a fair amount. Okay, okay. Well, that's good to know because I I, I didn't know if it was like. I mean, not like we're playing for big stakes here for, you know, yeah. for your local shoots. But I, I was wondering if they would like frown upon it, especially if you're shooting unknown or something like that. And then you you shoot one round with 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 one method. And then the next round you go, you kind of already have an idea of what everything is because you already shot it. Uh, well, um, but that's but, if it's a different class, then it's going to yeah, be a different it, it, it would be a different stake. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. It's, you know. You know, I, I think that they would probably frown on running the same stake twice. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, well, if it is another, an unknown, just... if it's an unknown uh, course. Yeah. Um, well, and that, that's something else I'll have to navigate because I, I'm going to I, I, you know, I say I'm going to run the equivalizer on the on the recurve kind of tongue in cheek just to piss people off. But if I shoot well with it, then I'll, I will damn well hunt with it. I don't give oh, a yeah. shit what people think. Uh, um, but like, I wonder if me run like i know a lot of traditional people it's like no stabilizers at all and if i run a stabilizer on my recurve like are they just going to kick me up to the hunter class or to the open class like i don't i don't know i yeah uh, i don't so. know i mean because my when i shoot trad i'm running a essentially a bare bow i mean right my, right my my longbow yeah like there's no shelf i'm essentially shooting off my hand like that that's my trad right now. Yeah, that's trad trad. Yeah, well, even barebow, yeah. like you, you can basically. I mean, you can. I mean, barebow. There are guys that run plungers and uh, yeah, yeah. rests and every. The only thing you really can't run is a scope or a or a, a stabilizer that doesn't fit in the in the ring. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's the official like quote unquote barebow rules is is you know has to fit within that like ten centimeter ring or whatever it is. Uh, it goes over the whole whole riser after it's strung up or something like that but uh yeah long story longer i'm i'm really interested to see how uh all of this is gonna play out with the different classes and stuff with what i'm currently running and yeah maybe maybe i just will run open if i get if i get murdered i'll get murdered but at least i'll be able to track my progress i guess one upside is you're still gonna be able to track your progress against yourself and i mean that's in my mind Regardless of the class you're doing, regardless of what type of competition it is, whether it's a fun shoot or a, a money event, your biggest competition is yourself. Yep. And don't care, don't focus on what how other people are shooting. Focus on your shot and on beating yourself. And you yep. will improve and you will do better than you know you would otherwise. Um, but it's, it's funny because at least around here, I mean, we've got a, a, a definitely growing 3d community, right? Um, we've had a handful of guys that have started, you know, started making names for themselves, uh, traveling and still it, in most cases, Granted, the the yardages are a little different, right. but your hunter scores and your open scores are typically fairly similar. Pretty close, yeah. Um, 
as far as like if you look at your top tens. Yeah. And so it's one where, you know, if if you're nearly as consistent at 40 as you are at 30, then you're probably going to be ranking around the same area in open. You know, because, I mean, like, true target setups have their own challenges. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. doesn't matter. Like, you start running lenses and all the other stuff and, like, super long bars and now, like, the bars, like, now wind's a bigger factor and, you know, all this other little stuff. So, in some cases the hunting setup has the advantage especially if the weather's not perfect right you know so and it's always really fun where you know if you lose you can always go well i still took 15th with my hunting bow yeah oh yeah and if you get in if you get into the you know the top five top 10 whatever you can go man look at all these target guys that just got beat by a you know a hunting rig (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially well, when I cruise you know, there's, in there there's with some... my with my six hundred and fifty grain arrows lobbing in at two forty on a good day. Oh, yeah. Two forty five, whatever. And, it and is. then you always get the, the fun questions of man, what is that? It's so quiet. Like Yeah, yeah. Oh, here. Feel my arrow. <laughs> yeah. Hold hold that hold that on your fingertip. Uh Gary, what does the 3D scene look like out in uh, out west? Is it is it big? I would imagine it'd be huge with how much like open space no. you guys have. It's pretty lackluster to be honest, just because there's not. I don't know if it's because we have more hunting seasons or our hunting season is longer yeah, or what, spring but, stuff or earlier, I guess. But like all the big, you know, like the big IBO shoots, ATA shoots are in the middle of our hunting right. season. Yep, like you know late August, early September or whatever is when those are usually over with or like the, you know, that's the end of the triple crown or right. whatever you have. Yeah. Um, so we don't have that scene, but we've got, I know there's a lot of indoor leagues and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I mean the, we've got the, there's the big shoot in Reading every year. Yep. And then there's, you know, local shoots, but there's not near as many local shoots here as there are you know, back in the Midwest, that's for well, sure. And I think, but. I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but like Midwest compared to like coast out West, like, you know, big country Western, we have a lot more like chunks of privately owned property. I would. Yeah. Think. I mean, it, you do, which I mean, like, does, I mean, I guess within that, like that two kind of hours, easier to. I mean, like within two hours of where like I'm at, I can probably pick out twenty different archery clubs that are all yeah. privately owned, like nonprofits. That they've got a, a little clubhouse. And they've got a course set up on a 40 acre chunk of land. Yeah. You know, and you don't really have that sort of yeah. thing going on out here. So I mean, there's, where, like, there's a few, but that that's where there's the not small, near as many. The small 3D scene is right. Is all your, your yeah. small club shoots. Cause yep. like we have a couple of larger, um, we have the NEW 
um, which is, uh, depending on the year, it's either a four or a five tournament series um, that hits a couple of the, the large clubs. And, you know, that's a, a big payout event that takes course over a, uh, like a month and a half, two month period. Um, but I mean, like outside of that, we really don't have like major events like Reading or like, you know, any of your, your, uh, true, like where you're going to be running into like the pros. Yeah. I mean, we have a few, like the ones that are out here, like the, it seems like the guys that shoot out West, like really stay out West. Like, I mean, you know, Tim Gillingham goes everywhere, but cause he'll yeah. shoot. There's a big shoot in Idaho that I think he tends, he usually shoots at and whatnot, but we've got like the Northwest mountain challenge. The mm-hmm. tax are out here mm-hmm. now, like out yep. West now, yep. but they're so damn hard they to get sell into out, like five minutes into there aren't, well, yeah, there aren't any shoots, so they sell out. Yeah. While like their last year, they the one that we wanted to go to, and I think it was Salt Lake sold out on the in the email, like the pre-order email. Yeah. We're like, what the hell? Why? But well, yeah, and- so like that's what we kind of deal with because there's just not any shoots, and there's no. definitely not any big ones. Like there's we have Northwest Mountain Challenge, and that's a you know it's mm-hmm. a triple crown shoot. There's three of them, but that's about it as far as big ones go. Yeah. And that's Outside like of the TAC. I mean, TAC is is a non comp. Um, that's a fun shoot. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it's it's good and bad with how they limit it because it's really good because compared to like the R one hundred or like some of the other large sponsored events, um, there's no wait times. Mm. Like the yeah. one time that I did R one hundred. I sat in line. Oh, like it's awful. 50 targets took yep. me eight hours. Yeah. And, and it was, I went and to, the targets were only 10 yards apart. Like you literally, you took your shot, yeah. you got your, you got back in line. Like that was horrendous. Yeah, I never went yeah, it's back. A, it's a shoot and pull and come back. But yeah, yeah you're waiting yeah, for that was, freaking That's ever. the first and only like real 3D like, shoot I've been tack. to. And when the first group I paired up with, like they brought chairs with them and I was like, we bringing chairs for and then about into this after the second target i was like i get it now yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolute dumpster fire yeah mm-hmm. well like, and that's like sitting here bullshitting right and that's like tack you're not waiting that's they've got tea times for for when each group can start a course um so your first run of the day is scheduled so that it's paced so they got it split up in half an hour chunks where x people go up they start half an hour later the next how many groups go up and so and with how spread out those events are you're walking hundreds of yards between targets if not longer and so if there is a slow group they let the small group go past yeah. and you don't see each other again. And so that has a lot better feel to it. And it, you kind of set your own pace if you want. I mean, there's guys there that, you know, are using it more like training and they're running the courses. They're running up the hills and, you know, 
getting to the shot, not letting their heart rate drop, and everyone right. understands it. So if if we you know if you walk up to the target and then you you see these guys hoofing it up the trail, and you're like, okay, hold up, you know, let them shoot through. They can shoot. Yeah, they keep running, and then you run. Yeah, you know. So I like that much more than like the sit and wait game. Like when I did R100, I waited yeah, we two had... hours for target one. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah, we had the one R100 that I went to I actually went by myself, which probably would have been better because I would have just gotten to shoot through everything. But I had paired up with a, with two brothers and we made it. We shot through the Africa side. Yeah. And then I think we made it to like mm-hmm. all the big, the big cool targets, like the giraffe and yep, yep. the lions and all that. And then we shot those. And then there was just a huge bottleneck because those big targets were right by the parking lot and right by all the food. So everybody had taken a break and all that. And then they mm-hmm. all came back, back at the in. same time, I guess. I yeah. don't know. But yeah, so that screwed everything up. So then we just like, you know, you pay for if you can shoot hundred targets in a day go for it so yep. we just followed or we just left the africa side and went to the north america side and shot until we got tired which was fine but you know it's kind of annoying because you don't get to finish the yeah yeah the yeah. setup but our one was a good time I, I'll, I'll i'll go back to it for sure uh and it's a pretty like it's an easy shoot it's made to you know slam dunk you like just, you know it, yeah you just yeah. have to like well and plan honestly to be there all day which with the like yeah. with our the northwest mountain challenge shoots i plan to be there all day but like you know you're hiking five miles to oh, shoot yeah, 20 right. targets or 40 yeah. targets or however many targets they have on that course so i mean that's the last what three four years that i've done i've done tax since it started right and that's our group We've consistently done uh, six courses in three days and logged between, depending on the year and depending on the course setup, we've typically logged between like 28 and I think the longest was like 32 miles in the weekend. Jeez. And so, I mean, you're hoofing. Yeah. And that's part of what we like about it is like... Every, every year, all of us are like, man, like I need to be in better shape for next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but it's uh, it's a challenge. It's like our local scene. Like I've got a lot of courses that are are similar to like at least for like where our R100 is. It was all flat shots. Like there was nothing special about it. Right. it flat, non-exciting, just blah like i could do that in in, like i could drive outside of town and i could go shoot the same kind of shots right whereas like a lot of our local courses are shooting off of hills and shooting off of platforms and you know you've got uphill downhill you've got different you know environmental things where you're shooting over a creek or you're shooting you know past this you know past these trees or you know, it's got a, 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 a different feel from shot to shot. And so that's part of where this R100 was very lackluster for me because I'm like, man, like I could go to, you know, 
I could think of a handful of courses I could go to for a normal weekend shoot, pay 10 bucks and have a better course. Yeah. Like the targets were cool. I, sure. But I don't know. I do think that the, like the shoots that I did that I used to do in Ohio, like granted I was a lot younger and I didn't shoot 3d that much, but now that I come out here, like, your average run of the mill shoot, like just the smaller shoots, they'll be the same. But like those big shoots, they make those shots pretty hard on a lot of the courses. Yeah. So like, like I mean, Northwest or like Tack, you know, those are yeah, like they're hard those for are reason, intentionally but, set up to be challenging. And that's why I like yeah. those events. Yeah. Um, Cause it's something even the different. easy shots, like you think it's easy until you let that arrow go and you're like, Oh, well you think it's not... easy until you step up to where the, you know, the cone is and oh, you're yeah. like, Oh man, like my foot, like I'm, I'm uneven <laughs> and it's like yeah. opposite of like the direction of the hill. So now like I'm tipped this way, but I got to lean into the hill like this. And like, yeah, that's, that's when you figure out whether your <laughs> yeah. bubble is on or not. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you get way. that second and third axis, right? <laughs> Hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as soon as you shoot a seventy-yard shot, where you're, yeah, you got to hold it into the hill, and you think your bubble's on. And as soon as you let it go, you just watch it trail off. There it goes. Oh, like, oh. <laughs> that was awesome. Not well, sure where to go from here, where but my pin was exactly. Uh, but so <laughs> I, I think that uh, I mean, we've... go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. So I mean, we've been talking about a lot of the like. I guess the, the benefits of of doing this stuff with the practice, you know, seeing the different opportunities, yeah. the shot yeah. angles, verifying your equipment with the hills, like, and I mean, guess we haven't like specifically said it, but this is all practice, right? This is all prepping yep. for hunting season. At least for most of us, prepping for hunts. Yep. Um, and I guess that kind of ties into, I guess, the main, I guess, focus. They were 43, you know, how long into this thing already, but, um, but the main focus of this, of, you know, the pros and the cons of 3d, right. Um, and you know, are there downsides? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I guess that's kind of, <coughs> um, you know, primarily, well, I don't want to say primarily, but it was one of the big talking points that I know we wanted to hit was, uh, at least somebody that's coming into 3d fresh and new with me having like, a, not even a quarter season. I've gone, I went to one, uh, R100 and I went to one like local Missouri meet where I was, uh, testing out a new set of limbs and I literally planned on like air mailing all of them. Then I actually shot like pretty decent and took second place on like the three man scramble thing. Uh, but there's, I, I, I've already through discussions with you and then watching certain things happen. Uh, I can already see some of the big pitfalls, uh, specifically, with shot placement and uh, uh, and yeah. and how that's, so here, how that's here's a question. What's up? So here, here's a question for you, Matt. Being that this last year you did some of your first 3D, mm-hmm. you've hunted for quite a while. Yeah. Was it an adjustment for you, or did you have any shots where you just naturally pulled up and put 
you know, put the arrow where you would in the woods and then went, oh, yeah, that's (laughs) not where the ring is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Yes. uh, A lot with turkeys. Um, uh, And that's that's so much. You're a you're a turkey you know yeah yeah i'm I'm a i'm a a turkey i'm a turkey nerd uh for for deer not so much i guess because that's the only two things i've really hunted with a uh with a bow that's all i can really speak to um the deer i mean like i was like oh it's like a little further back than what i like where i would probably put it like i'm riding the I'm riding the yeah. the the three o'clock of the ten ring if if it's a right facing target, uh you know yeah. uh to like I would I would like to put it right on the right side of that ten ring like that's exactly where mm-hmm. I would want to shoot um instead of the like yep, kinda, two kinda right on the back mid of the of the like triangle yeah yeah exactly so uh but I, and I think that uh I I don't I don't know I, I think it was probably easier for me as a hunter to look at it, to be like, Oh, like there's the ring. Like that's where I need to aim. Whereas like I can completely see it. If I shot 3d like a lot and then I went to hunt, I'd be like, Oh, I need to aim at the 10 ring uh, versus yeah. Versus like going from hunting to that. I think it was a little bit easier for me to know like, okay, that's not exactly where I would shoot, but for the sake of competition, like I'll go ahead and do it. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, but and, I, I well, think that's a difference a... in knowing, knowing, I guess, situationally where you would put an arrow, right? For hunting, yep, and understanding that 3D is practice and the goal is to put the arrow where you put your pin, right? Right, wherever that is. I mean, whether that's you know, talking competitive, a 14, you know, where you're aiming completely off of anything yeah. important on the ass of the animal yeah right you know that's what you know competition is is trying to hit a spot yep and and i think it, and i think this kind of falls into like two categories with the possible pitfalls one is incorrect shot placement due to uh, the location of the tin ring even on a like quote-unquote broadside shot uh, the location well, of the bullseye or double bullseye being in the wrong spot. And that's like, yeah. that's pitfall. Number one, pitfall. Number two is angle shots. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if the, the, let's just say the 10 ring is a perfect shot placement on a deer, like broadside, that's exactly where you want it. Like, you know, right in the, right in the triangle, right in the deadly V, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, it's good, but then you turn it at a 45 like you're probably realistically riding the backside of that eight is like where you want to shoot like the backside of that mm-hmm. eight. Maybe, I mean, you're probably realistically, if you're shooting at 45, you're probably in a five for a kill shot yep. for the kill shot that I want to take. I'm probably in a five, but mm-hmm. if I want to score, well, I have to shoot way further up and I can definitely see how that's a pitfall. If somebody is going to take that and translate it to hunting. And that's not even just, uh, you know, quartering shots, but hills, uphill, downhill. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now, you know, like you think about, um, you know, some of the shots at like, uh, like tack, 
where you're shooting up or down a, a significant grade. And now if I put that arrow in the 12, that's not a good shot. Right. Like hunting wise. Yep. I mean, if if I'm shooting downhill and I put it in the 12 on a, say, broadside shot, I'm realistically getting one lung. Yeah. I'm I'm coming out the bottom of the chest at yep. that point. And like when when you already have a hunting background, like you said, then you you have some awareness mm-hmm. of it and you can cognitively differentiate, you know, practice versus reality. But for people that are you know, being brought up in 3D and then trying to to move into hunting at, at some point, there, there can be some definite, you know, uh, subconscious issues where you've ingrained it that, okay, yep, I'm, I'm putting my pin here. Right. And yeah, I can, I can definitely... On angled shots, I can see that being a really, like, a really, really big deal. Like, angled up and down. Uh, You know, like, you kind of, like, because I think that's kind of, like, the forgotten thing of whitetail hunters. uh, uh, Is, you know, it's, we always talk about, you know, quartering to, quartering away, can you avoid the shoulder, blah, 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 blah. When really, like, what we don't account for a lot is, you know, I'm shooting at, you know, 15, 20 yards from 20 feet up, and that drastically changes my exit angle. And Garrett, I think for you, even probably even more importantly, is probably shooting up. I would guess that shooting up in the mountains is not uncommon. That's kind of, it's kind of uncommon here, I guess. Like I'm not, I, you know, spot and stock isn't really huge in the Midwest. Uh, but, uh, you well, know, if we I, don't have, I mean, our ele- elevation comes from trees. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Exactly. We shoot down on stuff a lot. We don't shoot up at stuff a lot. Yeah. Uh, The possibility of having to shoot up at something is definitely there. Yeah. And it's, I mean, depends on time of day, but yeah, if you've got, if your thermals are going down, you're going to approach the animal from underneath Mm -hmm. and try to get a shot at it that way. So interesting. Yeah. And you, there are very few, well, I mean, uh, our 3d courses out here account for that, which I think that, people in the Midwest kids serve what's well, maybe not. I think guys that plan to go out West should set up their own little 3d shoots or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, take shots that they might get in the field. Yeah. Or I just think that, you know, I don't know. I, we talked about the under the, the baby bird, dead baby bird episode that doesn't exist technically, but I think that it would be better <laughs> if the the target companies had multiple scoring rings that you could somehow illuminate not illuminate but like you know like you have if the if it's a quartering away shot you have to hit these scoring rings if it's a quartering two shot you have to shoot for these ones yeah, yeah. So, um, something I think that would go a long way and the multiple 12 rings on some targets 
because they do have yeah. those where or you your know, your fourteen ring that's a gut shot. It's like why are you? Why? I mean, I get it. You're trying to hit a spot, you're trying but, to hit a spot. but like, yeah, I think what can be confusing is like on on a lot of targets they do have multiple twelve rings, mm-hmm. um, and so then those are supposed to be for your angular shots but we're talking still within the original 10 so if you're taking more than a a, you know a small degree angular shot you're gonna need to put it further than you know a half you know an inch right off of where you would broadside yeah yeah, that's a Garrett. That's kind of an, an interesting idea that that you have there about like with different rings. I'm I'm thinking of one target in particular that I've seen. I'm sure is at actually I know it's attack that I also saw at the R100 is the uh, Sasquatch or Bigfoot target, and it has mm-hmm. it has rings everywhere because they set yeah. it up to be shot at like very different angles. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like a, a complete frontal angle. Sometimes he's walking away to, you know, quartering away from you, walking towards you, quartering to I mean, you. They, they do the same thing with turkeys. I don't know why they don't do it with. Yeah, yeah turkey, 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 turkey. I don't know why they don't. One. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why they don't just do it with all of them. Yeah. yeah, like it's it's no big deal to have the. You know, well, have it on however they were putting the things on there in the first place. It's just an indentation of some sort. So I don't know if it's heat or what, but can't be that much more difficult to add more scoring rings. I think, I think the big challenge is the ones where you normally have your multiple scoring zones are single piece targets. True. Yeah. Right. So like your turkey. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Stuff like that. Those are, I mean, there aren't a ton of them that are like replaceable cores. Right. Whereas a lot of your deer, elk, etc. have replaceable cores. And so now you'd be like your your current scoring ring is near the front of that core because then the lung is taking up the rest of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean they could potentially put one, you know, in the back of the lung for your quartering away shots, which would be a, a an improvement because that's the one shot that more than likely people are going to look at. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's not like a, a ton of people go to a quartering two shot. Yeah. Um, But even for like your vertical, a lot of those don't have a ton of room. Like your whitetail, there isn't, you know, you'd be getting outside of that core. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd be way outside the core if you were doing quartering shots. Like, I mean, think about at the very at the very least. I think they should at least put the scoring rings where they belong, because like, you know, on yeah. those on the replaceable core targets, they're still not close too to the, like where the target attaches. Yeah, they're just too far back. Yeah. I mean, they're, and then, you know, you see I have seen probably five posts today where people post about um you know, shooting a deer, like, oh, hit him right behind the shoulder. But then you see what they mean by that, and it's a perfect 10 ring, but that's behind that front leg, and you want to shoot above the front leg, not behind right. it. Yeah. 
which and, and and that's exactly what I guess we're trying to get at here is like so many people will you know hit that 10 ring which is the 10 ring is supposed to simulate the heart and but if you're that that's, three inches back from that then well, you're exactly. in the liver so you're like in the stomach yeah it's like okay so they shoot a little bit behind where they think they're supposed to shoot and now your guts yeah like and now you're wondering why it's such a long track and why the, you know blood's poor and and why you're losing animals it's because you're aiming in the wrong area yeah yep uh i i mean i know rob you've mentioned it before i a lot of the times especially with the replaceable core um targets they do that they move it back behind the leg because the leg is where the metal rod is to hold the animal up uh uh, so it's a lot of times with the support structure right if you've got yeah, so I, I, I mean, it, it's just, it's just frustrating. retool the target. They could retool the target mold to have like because the neck on the target comes clear to the front of that front leg. Mm-hmm. Like you could just make the middle section a bigger, like you know, like bigger section. Yeah, I just need to start making targets, yeah, but, right? Yeah. I, well, start know. start building a mold, get some spray foam. There's a there's a guy local to me that makes uh makes uh targets for our trad course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like he's literally he literally like creates. Well, he thick he fixes a lot of a lot of the targets too. But then he started yeah. like making his own molds. And he's made like armadillos and like all sorts of crazy stuff. And uh, <laughs> uh, he made a saber tooth tiger, which is really cool. Uh, nice. but yeah, but he just like, he like burns the vitals in and everything. Like it's pretty, yep. it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of, I wish there could be a change, but God, the targets are so expensive. It's insane. It's insane. Oh yeah. And that's like, I, I picked up, we had a shop close last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a, a really nice big indoor 3d range. And uh, I just happened to bump into someone that lived over in that area and was like, oh, did you hear that so-and-so's closing? And uh, that's, I just, I like that afternoon, I drove over there and he was inventorying all of his 3D targets and putting price tags on them. (laughs) And so that's, I picked up, uh, I mean, he was selling them like at or under his cost. So, I mean, I picked up six 3d targets for 500 bucks cash. Oh, jeez. And I mean, they, they had used on them, but I also got cores. <laughs> so like, it's so, like what I did is I took that and like, I don't care where the rings are. Right. Like I've, I've got set up. I, I've got two of them. Um, I got, I got two that I have set up in my little garage, uh, shooting area that are, uh, bedded. And then I got, I, I've got a couple up at the camper, uh, at the hunting property. 
And guess what? Those are getting beat up, not in the cores. Yeah. Like it's hunting practice. Yep. It's, you know, stick them in different spots, you know, by different trees, whatever. And, and take the shot that you would take. Yeah. You know, the downside is that the targets are getting a little beat up. Yeah. Well, that's where you, you seal it up with some duct tape and then you, you use expanding foam and you kind of patch it back together and yep. sand it smooth and go, okay, hey, look at that. Yep. Yeah. And expanding <laughs> foam works wonders. I saw Paul, the uh, guy in Princess on Facebook, did a, an 18 one. He like redid the whole thing with uh, expanding foam and it looks incredible. Like yeah. it, it looks, it looks. Isn't that the same guy? Didn't, didn't he use uh, flex seal on some too? Uh, probably. Probably. Or is that a different guy? Uh, I think that was him. Come on, dude! It fixed my to- it well, fixed like, my uh, freaking bathtub. Flex seal spray, <laughs> man! It's, right? it's it's like he, the new duct he tape. He does it. He does it little by little, so like it actually cures. Right. But yeah. Yeah. It, it works. Like he he said it works, and it doesn't leave like it doesn't leave a sticky residue, but it does leave like a like a little bit of a granular residue sure, on sure. it on the arrow, but. Hell, that's better than spending, you know, $40 for the target repair kit that you use once. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, but yeah. Are there any other uh, potential pitfalls with 3D that we need to talk about, I guess? Anything anything else that I need to know as I wade into 3D and or indoor season? What have we not mentioned? I don't yeah. know. I mean, I think... Mentioned I think, shooting in the wrong spot. Yeah. Um I think that's that's, the, the that's really the main control. one, but um, there can be some bad habits that you can pick up um, mentally. Target panic is a big one. Yeah, I mean, target panic up. just you know, and this is one that I I struggled with spots. That was like the only time that I've had, I guess, anything that I would consider to be target panic, mm-hmm. and that was more so because I could see like I'm a little bit of a perfectionist and I could see exactly where perfect was. Right. And so I could see exactly where my pin was supposed to be and then sat there and fought myself. Um, Whereas on a 3d target, I, know where like I, I'm picking my spot nine times out of ten I can't actually see the ring from you know from the stake right and so I'm picking my spot and that's the spot there's nothing to tell me that I'm in the wrong spot I want to shoot it here that's where I'm putting it and and so like mentally I don't have an issue with that right but like when I see it that was my target panic issue but mm. It, I, I definitely know people that that get flustered on the line. Um, but the one that I was going to mention was um, it's very easy, especially if you're starting to get a little more competitive with 3D or any type of shooting like this, I guess, um, of having the next shot. Mm. And, you know, 
every shot's important, but eh, it's just an eight. I, I, I can pick up a 12 on the next one and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And, pretty soon you shoot a string of eights and you're like, well, I'm not making up for those. Yeah. Yeah. But my, my point is in the woods, you have one shot. Yeah. There is no, yeah. there's no warm up. There is no, well, next shot will be cleaner. Like hunting, mm-hmm. at least for the majority of us, is one shot and that's it. Like yeah. you don't have. Speak for yourself, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Gar- kidding. I just Gary get a lot of Gary shoots shots. at like, a lot of have... animals every year. <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of one shots, but yeah, <laughs> yes. seldom do I get a follow up. Yeah, and that, I mean, you have more of a chance of a follow up than any of us, than either Matt or I. Yeah, uh, that's just true. because of the terrain right. and because of how those animals move and react. Right. 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 Um, right. But I guess my point is, you know, like yours were, you know, all pretty much clean misses, um, which had other reasons at play. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm more looking at like if you you pull up and you, you know, oh, that was a five. Yeah. Guess what? You can't take it back and you don't get a second try. And so like that's like for me. I think so. I guess that go ahead. Sorry. This is this. It just uh, was it's what I was going to mention next. But like there is a thing. It annoys me still. And I think it probably always will. But on the 3D course, I don't know if they do it there. But the ones that I've shot, especially shooting the open class a couple times now, um, when guys let down. Uh-huh. Everybody that's just about everybody that's standing there will say nice shot end or because the sun's not right or. Yeah, it's just something's not right. But when they do let down, everybody's like, oh, nice shot. Good shot. Good shot. Which is a good positive reinforcement thing. But since they didn't actually shoot, it annoys me. Well, but I understand why that why they say that, because it is a good thing to let down if it's not right. Yep. And I mean, I think that that's one good part about it is the the guys that are doing that are conscious enough of their shot process to recognize when <clears throat> something's not right and i mean typically those are the guys that are are very competitive because if you're not super competitive you're not going to care enough to go ah th- something's just not right i need to let down and reset Right. the best chance at a 12, yeah. right? Nope, I'm going to fight through this, and it's still going to be I mean, an 8. <laughs> you know, there's I wouldn't even out. say that I'm all that... Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say that I'm all that competitive, but I'd definitely let down a lot more if I'm trying to run a course with my silverback. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. on those, like, when it's not ready, like, if I'm going to, like, you know before it's going to go off if you're going to pull through that shot well or not, or if you're moving too much or whatever. Yep. So with a back tension, I, I mean, I think that helps me a lot because it really makes me focus on my shot execution, yep. but which is all good. Uh, I mean, that, yeah, that I know with my great, yeah, it's a good like, thing with my, like until I started to get better at using my trigger release, my index finger release, uh, I barely let down, but then I did get to the point where, I was, you know, settling in really well and I would let down if it didn't feel right. But mm-hmm. and that's where like 
I fully get if if something feels off in your process or something, you know, just the pin's not settling, something's off. Yeah, let down. You know, it, it's smart to to not shoot and hope for another opportunity compared to potentially wounding and losing. Yeah. Is for hunting. I know something something <clears throat> that I will do just to simulate hunting because for like if I'm just shooting with my buddies or whatever to simulate hunting, I'll draw and hold. Yeah. And then come off anchor while still holding back and then come back to anchor and try to execute a good shot because that happens all the time when we're hunting. Well, and that you you draw when you have the window to draw and then you have to hold for a while usually. So I I have kind of, I have a a stupid question and or idea to sim to, to kind of do that, to simulate hunting. Uh, Does, uh, would it be like really dumb to uh, think of like the, like your, um, like pistol shooting timers, but like almost backwards mm-hmm. so that like you draw and then a 10 second window like is going to start. And then like within that 10 second window is going to be like a three second window of like, you know, like within the first 10 seconds, like sometime that three second window is going to open up. And then in that three second window, you have to shoot and I almost feel like yeah. I almost feel like that would be uh, an an interesting way to uh, and maybe a horrible way I don't know uh, maybe a great way to induce target panic. Yeah, I feel like uh, and and that, that I, say, I feel like that would either be good or it like it would either be very good or it would wreak havoc on yeah. your shot process because you're going to force a lot of shots. So we have a couple of courses here that. Uh, at some of the, the like specialty events, uh, the, their bigger fundraisers, whatever, mm-hmm. um, they have pop-up courses, which are all. I do enjoy those or the ones on, do you guys have the ones that are, they put them on like garage door openers and stuff too? Like the moving targets. Yep. Yep. So I, there's those are a lot of fun. One place I think that has that, um, maybe two, but like most of the pop-up those are a lot of fun. ones, they're, uh, the targets are mounted to like a frame, like the legs are mounted to a frame. And then that frame is, uh, on, a, a little like cylinder. And so you'll draw and then they'll hit the cycle. And one of the 10 targets that's, you know, arrayed in front of you, is going to stand up at some point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it pops up. You got to make a clean shot and then you reload and you wait for the next one to pop up. Cause it could be two seconds after the first one. It could be 10 seconds after the first, right? One. You know, you don't know. That is, that is one of the reasons I like techno hunt because that's on a timer, yep. but you're you drawing have shots open. Up. Shot. Yeah. You have shots open up once you're already drawn. Yep. So it's not as target panic inducing mm-hmm. as say yeah. your timer idea. There used be, to be a techno but... hunt near me and then that shop closed. So now there is not. Yeah. The main the main thing with the techno hunt is that you have like same thing as like shooting a 3D shoot for the proper kill shot versus score. Yeah. You're shooting like, a spot. I shoot it for I shoot for the spot that I would aim at if I were hunting. 
mm-hmm. and it usually tells me that I'm nowhere near mm-hmm. the vitals, but I smoke everything. Yeah. So yeah. you just have to take it with a grain of salt. Hmm. Yep. And that's that's good what I was going to, I'm trying to figure out what I was going to say before. Um, Sorry, I derail all of your thought trains. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, God, what was that? Uh, I don't know. I won't pretend to know. I'm so sorry. Nope. It, if it comes back to me, it'll come back. Keep going. Well, it's too late now. <laughs> it's gone. Now we're now we're wrapping it up because it's past uh, eleven thirty. Yeah, I know. And I am tired. Um, what was? Oh, we were talking about the target panic stuff mm-hmm. what i was gonna wrap up on my comment there with not just target panic but with um i was talking about how the mentality difference of having multiple shots and being able to like recover from a bad shot on a, on a course mm-hmm. um for me what i tend to do is uh typically sometime mid July, definitely by August. Um, I'm no, like I'm no longer in my like 3d practice mode. I'm no longer shooting, you know, 50 arrows an evening. Right now I'm shooting like over the course of an evening, I'll shoot 10 to 15 shots that are all at least, you know, 15 minutes apart. Right. I'll, you know, I'll I'll have my bow hung up and I'll be doing other stuff and I'll walk over. I'll take a shot. Yeah. Focus on that. Uh, focus on that single shot execution mentality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just hammer that home that it's there is no warm up. It's cold shots. It's, yeah. you know, and so I I force that. That mental aspect. um, And just kind of shut down my 3D for the most part. Um, but I mean, that's what you want to do. It's also just a busy time of year for me. So it yeah, it's cause <laughs> no, I, I think you know. it's, it's a good point that yeah. you're, you know, when, when you're in the groove, when you're shooting a lot of 3d, you're used to pumping out, you know, 50 to a hundred arrows a night when hunting season comes, that's not, that's typically not what happens. Uh, you know, you have to come, you have to understand the reality of the situation that, you know, it's, you don't have, you know, a, a warm up end to, you know, figure stuff out or, you know, a warm up range before you hit the hit the 3D. You know, you've got a mm-hmm. you got one shot, as Eminem would say. Yeah. Well, and that's it's also something where, you know, that one shot is still beneficial. Like, oh, yeah, especially when it's, it's like it's go time seasons here or ruts here. And every spare moment you are in the woods, right? Or yeah. you're on the mountain, whatever that, that place is. You got time for, for one shot. Yeah. You know, wake yeah. up before work, take a shot. You get home from work, take a shot. You yeah. know, because that's one thing I, I know a lot of people, like they shoot a decent amount throughout the year and then September hits and they're hunting and hunting and they haven't had a, a, you know, seen an animal they want. And it comes to November, December, 
and now they, they've gone they finally have even firing an arrow. They haven't shot their bow in three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my my practice routine. You might be a little rusty on that first one. <laughs> yeah. Well, my practice routine when it comes to hunting, uh, for like when it comes to hunting season, I should say, uh, basically turns into a. It's no longer practice. It's a confidence reminder slash booster kind of thing. Uh, to where it's like the majority of my practice sessions during hunting season are probably less than 10 to 15 arrows. Like I'll, I'll normally shoot like a, like I I normally shoot three arrow groups if I'm shooting at like, you know, respectable distances. Uh, and uh, I've, I've had a lot of practice sessions that have been like three or six arrows, like I mean, hell, the, the other day when I went to b- before good ones in there, and you call it good. Yeah, I, well, well, when I when I was when I put this hog father on, I was sighting it in. You know, I shot twenty, got my zero, and then I literally like uh, so on on you know different anchors and all that. So keep that in mind, you white arrow Nazis. Uh, my uh, twenty yard pin ended up being on the previous guys like. 40 yard mark on the tape. And then when I backed off to 60, no, I'm sorry. It it was 50. It was 50 yard mark on the tape. And then when I backed off to 60 yards, I was like, Oh, I'll just turn it to 90. You know, it's, you know, 40 yard difference on the tape and we'll just see what happens. Uh, no, it was, (laughs) it was dead on like dead, dead on dead on. Really? I figured it would be way high. I I assumed it was going to be way high. Yeah, well, I, I kind of yeah. thought so, too, and I was aiming towards, like, the bottom of, like, the bottom of the target, and uh, there was, like, a little, like, busted pink balloon that somebody had put there before, and I put, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I took a picture of the group. I had one flyer, uh, but I put four arrows in, like, maybe a two-inch group at 60 yards, and I was like, okay, we're done. And I was like, yeah, I'll, so I'll, I'll measure, point. I'll measure the distance between those two, find the matching tape, like, turn it back to uh that 50 yard pin lock it take the tape off put the new tape on and call it good and that's exactly what i did so my my entire right. session that time right. was like maybe 15 arrows like through the whole thing yeah i'm i'm pretty well the same once season gets pretty close just because you know all the guys i work with i do all the work on their bows so usually i'm tinkering on their shit cup the last two weeks leading up to season and not i don't have time to mess with mine right. so oh yeah and then i get you know they give me they give me weird looks when i walk out send one arrow at 80 yards it's dead nuts and then i just put my bow away and they're like what the hell was that I'm like yeah that's my day that's, that was, that's yeah. my practice oh, <laughs> i'm like yeah. i'm done now yep. you just like well, what quitting while you're ahead i'm like no i only need the one arrow to know that i'm yeah, still okay I, I just mentally confirmed that the bow's still good Everything is still like I'm, you know, mentally locked in, forms there. Yeah, like I still got it. All right. I'm good. Yep. Like yeah. you, you put in the work in the off season. Once season is here, it's it's maintenance. Mode. Yeah. You either got it it's, or you don't. Just, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's it's just a matter of making sure that you don't out of out of a lack of having any shots, you know have a, a lapse right where mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh man I, I wasn't thinking about my grip or no and like my anchor was a little off or like 
just need to make sure that if it's I'm hunting and I subconscious like auto. Yeah, if I'm hunting and I actively have going through my mind, oh, my grip is off. Like I went wrong somewhere before the season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I mean? I know what like, you mean. Yeah. It's because once I get to the point where I'm drawing on an animal or something, I don't really have time to like, yeah, I do pay attention to my grip, but my grip of my draw and everything should be dialed in enough that I'm, that is the last thing that's on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I would agree. On, on this topic, we've kind of slid a little bit off of our original 3d conversation, but good topic. Don't aim um, where the scoring rings are. That's the yeah. overall theme. True. True. <laughs> um, but like with practice, like one thing, having that, that muscle memory, right? Like, especially like Garrett, you're in challenging terrain. You're putting miles yeah. on. You might have to, you know, in order to cut off a bull, you might have to hoof over this ridge and over to the next one, knowing that they're going to be coming around and that's going to give you the right wind. You've got to get there yeah. now and you might have a minute if that to yeah. be set and ready for a shot, right? Heart rate right. can be up. You're sweaty. You're tired. Like it needs to be autopilot. It needs to be like, yeah. this is what it is. And it's, it's rock solid. Like you still need to be able to, yeah, you still need to have a controlled shot. Yeah. Don't, yeah, don't yeah, say, yeah, don't say autopilot like, around all of those, all those little, well, and that's all those little things you can't I, like all that little stuff yeah. that you usually think about you, that can't be there. You don't have time. And that's when I say autopilot, just as a clarifier, I am not saying a non-controlled shot process. Okay. I'm yeah, saying all that stuff, that, like all those things that you would normally think about, like they have to happen in a split of a second versus yeah. the, I'm Two, saying, three seconds you usually have. I'm saying the physical muscle memory, your grip, how you're drawing so that your your shoulders are properly positioned, your how you're gripping your release, you know, not you know, yeah. not closing Anchor down on it, it, not fingertipping it or whatever type of release you're running, but having the same consistent grip on both ends having your anchor, having your peep alignment. I mean, I've seen guys in the heat of the moment completely disregard their peep. Ugh. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's amazing to me, I, to I be know, honest. I know, but I, I have I have literally watched it happen. And it's like, okay, something went wrong in there. <laughs> but that's the stuff that I'm saying autopilot. Yeah, that makes sense. You need right. to have your controlled shot process. You need to, you need to go through that and, you know tension pull through you know all that you that's controlled yeah. but all the all the basics need to be subconscious it just happens yeah and like for like matt like you and i the midwest guys like we don't have have a lot of those same physical issues right right we're on the flip side we're stagnant yeah we're we're potentially sitting in a tree for eight hours in sub you know freezing temperatures right and now you know you've got you've potentially got extra layers on like i like if you got a face mask on yeah 
you need to account it's for that com- stuff. It's a completely like, different thing. Completely different. So, like, like, I have like the thinnest face mask I can. And then I, I have uh, hoods. Yeah. So the, the hood keep, you know, the heat in, keep my neck warm, but they don't. I have full access to my jawline. My anchor is not affected. Right. I won't wear gloves. Yeah. I, I have a hand muff. Because that changes things. If I put gloves on, now my grip's different. Now I'm holding my release different. Like, that changes stuff. So, it's, I mean, everything has its own, you know, be prepared for it. Yeah. But it's just stuff you you need to think about. Was, uh, what was the be prepared song from? Is that the Lion King? I think. <laughs> start with, start, no start this. Are, are uh, we back on Disney? I was gonna say start start the podcast with Disney Plus, end it with Disney Plus, right? Uh, I'm pre- I'm pretty sure. Be prepared, Uh-oh. song. Yeah, pull up a YouTube. Yep, there it is. It's Scar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Be prepared. <laughs> I knew I knew what I was doing. Backstabbing lion, you. He was a backstabbing lion. That is very true. Very uh, true. All right. Well, I think we've uh, pretty much got this one. I think we got this one covered. So uh, pretty sure we regained and lost all of our listeners once more. Yep. Here we go. Uh, See you guys in another month. Main point (laughs) when you're hunting, don't treat it like a 3D target. Make sure you account for your angles and uh, you'll have a lot better luck. I think so. And when you're shooting 3D, if it's not a paid shoot where you need to score well, maybe treat it like a kill shot, not so much for points. Or, yeah, or if you're new, shoot for kill shots, not for points. Yeah. Not to... Make your own scoring system if you choose. Yeah. Well, we do that at TAC. Yeah. Kills, yeah. kills and non-kills, we, man. That's, that's yeah. I mean, if, if, you, if you walk out of a shoot and you're like, yeah, you know, 40 targets or whatever. Yeah. 38 of them were kills. Two were borderline. That feels pretty. All right. So I I would guess anyway. So that's just me. Oh yeah. All right. Anything else? No. Well, uh, I'll be gone next week. If uh, you guys are recording while I'm hunting, we might record. We have, uh, guest that might be yeah well yeah i'm i've got i hope our content starts rolling again now that uh i know you're you've got your your big hunting push coming up and then i kind of have uh uh the peak of the rut coming here too so hopefully after after like kill something dude uh, well we can talk (laughs) more offline i just haven't (laughs) seen that's I'm, i'm wanting to to shoot at least something that's like a, a decent eight, like 15, 16 inch wide eight. I'd be, I'd be happy with. Yeah. But well, I have, to, I have to see something legal first. So like I got more does that I know what to do with. I can't shoot any of them. Man, that like, sucks. Well, it's just the area of the state that I'm in. If I went, oh, yeah. if I went somewhere else and, you know, away from, uh, I guess where I have places to sleep. Yeah, then I could shoot all kinds of does, but yeah, uh, that's well, Rob and I. <laughs> yeah, well, Rob and I will be hunting hard the next two weeks or so, 
And then uh, after that, hopefully we can start getting some pretty consistent content rolling again. Yep. We've got a lot. Of, we got a lot of stuff planned, especially oh, with uh, yeah, there, with some YouTube stuff as well. So, yeah, we're there's I promise we have been doing stuff. It just hasn't been recording episodes. So it's uh, coming. It's coming. Oh. Yeah, it's going to be hot and heavy, especially after season's over. It's going to be uh, we're, we're going we won't even know what to do with all the content yeah. that we've we're going to have. That's to when the fun starts. Yes. Yes, indeed. So cool. Well, thanks everyone for listening and uh, appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, like our social media stuff, subscribe to us on YouTube. Cause I think that's about to like kick off and like you can't do, man, YouTube sucks. You can't do a bunch of stuff unless you have like X amount of subscribers. So yeah, we're, we're lame. Yeah. We're going to be pushing for that pretty hard. So uh, we have a YouTube channel. Oh, you know what? Screw it. By the time this podcast episode uh, releases, uh, our website, well, I mean, website. our website's already up. So mm. if you want to go to it, lethalpodcast.com, it's it's up, it's there. It's still a massive work in progress. Uh, but yeah, but this should be, by the time this is up, it should be like 99% of the way done. We'll see. I've said that for like the last four months now, so who knows? Also, uh, you guys will get what you get and you'll like it. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, you're <laughs> damn right. Uh, Did you build the website? No. Yeah, exactly. So look at it and, and it enjoy. It has taken exactly. a long time because there's so much stuff on there. It's ridiculous. I think we're over. Fair, I, I didn't build it either. We're over so. 120 sections now. It's it's stupid. It's, yeah, you, it's you pretty wild there, but dude, I know. I'm over. I'm over <laughs> and handling it, Squirrely Dan. Yeah, I I did. I did. I went like it's the more I though. looked into it, I was like, I can't not talk about this. So yeah, yeah it's, it's good. I, I think it's turned out really well. Yeah, well, thanks. So, cool. Well, uh, once again, thanks everyone for hanging out. And until next time, stay lethal and don't forget the olive oil. <laughs>